You're listening to Campus Review Radio. I'm Patrick Avenal and I'm the news editor for Campus Review. Ashton De Silva is an associate professor and economist at RMIT University. He has published a discussion paper titled Housing Deprivation or Financial Debt Betwixt the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, which details how changing lending rules to restrict financial access to financial services could deprive low-income people of basics like white goods, furniture and internet access. I spoke to De Silva about his research and I started by asking for an overview of his findings. The actual paper that I've written is a discussion paper and what I've done is I've drawn together several um, areas of research. The first area uh, being, well, being the research that many economists are doing and have done in well-being. The second aspect is looking at what's called the alternative financial services market. Now, the alternative financial services market is a market, uh, is a credit market that is used particularly by those who are on low income or on welfare or precarious income. And what's important about this also, and then, um, and then, so what's important about this is to actually understand the nexus. That is to, that is to understand how looking at the alternative financial services market from the perspective of well-being, and what I've done in terms of well-being, I've focused on a particular aspect, that being deprivation, and in particular looking at housing deprivation in this particular paper. And what I've uh, done together is drawn together the evidence that exists out there, or at least some of it, uh, and demonstrated that the actual uh, challenge uh, for getting the policy right is bigger than I think uh, many people um, have thought about it. Uh, because what we are talking about is we're talking about people trying to access basic services, basic basic things that you and I uh, consider to be essential. And these people are rough and, and what happens in some cases uh, is to access these essentials, people are taking out these types of uh, finances to access these essentials. And I, I, and, and I think that's, that's in, in my view, that is something uh, that needs to be discussed in more detail. And I do not believe uh, that the current discussion has a good understanding of why people are using these particular services what they are using it for. I noticed that the name of your paper is Housing Deprivation or Financial Debt Betwixt the yeah. Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. And I found that quite interesting because it, you do raise the um, sort of the prospect that both sides of this argument sort of have their pros and cons. And I think a lot yeah. of people sort of think about sort of uh, non-bank financial lenders or alternative credit sources as being a bit loan sharky or a bit predatory. But what you've actually raised is the prospect that they're actually performing a service which a lot of people rely on. Uh, did that surprise you? Uh, look, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't surprise me when you think about the predicament that some households are in. And we've got to be very careful here because one of my arguments in this paper and one of my concerns is that we just do not know enough about this sector. There is some evidence out there, but this evidence is not... Uh, I, I don't believe that we as a community have the understanding that we need to make effective policy at this point in time. Now, coming back to your question, does it surprise me that people are using these types of finances to secure uh, so-called essentials? No, look, it doesn't. 
is these products, in the view of these people, is the most appropriate way or seems to be the most appropriate way to access these essentials. And I think that's also another very important point. There are a number of things that a person in this type of situation can choose from. You know, they can go to their family and friends. They could go and access a, 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 um, an advance on their on their Centrelink um, payments. They can go and access through uh, a no interest loan type product. But what we're observing is, despite these things being available, people are still choosing to access these items or these essentials uh, through this um, commercial option. Is, is that because is there a reason yeah. for that? Is that because the the barriers are so low? Well, look, I, look, I, I think actually there's several reasons um, for this, and you'd see that in the paper. What I've done is I've talked a little bit about well, about well, about well-being. Well-being isn't just finance. Well-being includes a whole series of things, and you know, part of that also is about self-esteem. And so, some of the stories that I've had uh, that, that, that I've heard is that how some people feel a sense of achievement and a sense of independence uh, when they take out these loans because they've taken them out and then they've paid it off. Or they have that asset or that essential, whether you um, think about it this way, you have somebody who's maybe um, got a new fridge and they've been able to do it themselves without having to go and rely on charity. Now, that's sometimes important for some people. Let's say your fridge breaks down. You've got. You have to. You have to buy, or you have to get hold of a new fridge because you've got food going off, or perhaps worse still, you've got medicine going off. So how do you secure a fridge quickly? Well, chances are, um, not everybody has those has the savings that is required to actually go and purchase a new fridge. But what? But um, what they might be what they might be able afford to do is to forego say $10 or $15 a week or a fortnight, depending on the actual product, and actually have that in their possession. And so the, very, so the small amount of regular payments can be actually quite attractive to somebody who is on a low income. And so it's actually a relatively, um, it um, doesn't have the stress or the requirement of, say, going to us your family or your friends for you know for the money you can actually just walk in and you can actually apply for that loan and sometimes if you meet the requirements you'll be able to get it so there are many reasons why and it's a quite a complex area really to think about but there are many reasons why these products are different and there are many reasons why people are choosing them because they are different you spoke earlier about uh there are things that we know about the sector and then there are things that we don't know about the sector that perhaps need more research. Are you able to sort of outline what we do know about the sector or what you know about it and also, to the best of your ability, what we don't know and what we need to find out? Okay, so uh, I think really what we need to do is actually... We we, we can summarise this in two ways, right? We need to know why people are using these products, okay? And I don't believe there's any... There's... 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 To me, only a very little amount of research is done in the Australian space on this. And we need a much better and deeper understanding of 
why people are using these products instead of the other products. Because I think that's really important here. Um, and I don't believe, well, I've not seen it, um, and uh, my colleagues haven't, who I work with from time to time uh, have not pointed it out to me either, that this research has, has, has actually been done. The second thing we need to do is we need to understand what people are actually accessing using these finances. Now, I talked about one thing here. I talked about housing deprivation. But if you look at the list um, of what little research has been done, and even if you were to go to the actual um, Senate, or, or there, 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 there was actually a government um, inquiry done on this last year, and there were many applications and many reports written for that. It is clear people are using it to access these essentials. But we need to understand exactly how prevalent this is. We need to appreciate, okay, so people are actually finding it difficult to secure these, this, form of, this form of essential, perhaps. And only then can we then, or rather, and only then can we be more confident and to at least try and minimise the unintended consequences. Look, the reality of the situation is the, not everybody is going to be served well as a, as a result of regulation. But the problem is at the moment is that there is, I think, a massive unknown there. And if we don't understand that better, we could actually jeopardise the well-being of those very cohort of people uh, that, we're, that, that we want to assist and enable um, in terms of their own, um, in terms of their own household well-being and so on. As, as an economist, what is it about this subject that uh, interests you? What, why have you alighted on this to research and write about? Well, there's a couple of things going on here. Now, I'm going to speak purely as an economist. One, okay, we're talking about a market that is growing and we're talking about innovation that is also growing. Secondly, um, we're talking about um, a market that actually... Uh, looks at a particular segment or is more focused, probably more aligned, its customer base is more aligned with those that are struggling more than others and have different sets of, um, and live in different contexts. So for, so for an economist, well, uh, the subject of, well, of well-being is very important. And then this leads me to the next thing that leads into uh, the next aspect of this that makes me very interested in in this topic is that there are, you know, again, I think what is misunderstood in terms of economics is that most people think of economics in dollars and cents, and that isn't the case at all. It is about well-being. It is about understanding the person, and it's about understanding why they make these decisions. And this is a classic example where people are making decisions based on influences or factors that are not just based on financial considerations. They're basing it on other things, their own, you know, other aspects of well-being, which is why I talked about that in the first part of the, um, on, in the first part of the discussion paper. 